keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Today is Wednesday. It's Ash Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. It's the feast of St. Margaret of Cortona. Margaret was born to farming parents in Lavona, Italy. Her mother died when she was seven and her father remarried. She became more willful and reckless as she grew older. And at 17, she ran away with a young man, living with him for more than 10 years until he was murdered. This tragedy led her life into a, a life of penance and prayer. And she returned to her father's house, but was rejected by her stepmother. So she went to the Franciscan friars at Cotorna, where she established a hospital for the sick, homeless, and impoverished, and she joined the Third Order of St. Francis. She lived in poverty and established an order devoted to Our Lady of Mercy. She died in 1297 at the age of 50. St. Margaret of Cortona, pray for us. And guess what? It is finally here, Ash Wednesday. You have been preparing for the last several weeks. Yeah, I know you already have a game plan to get ready so that way you can get the best out of Ash Wednesday this year to get your best Lent that you've ever had so you can prepare well for the holy season of Easter. So congratulations to you because you get to do penance for our Lord today. And remember, today is one of the two days a year, only two days a year, where there is required prayer, fasting, and abstinence. So that means you have to fast from food and abstain from meat today and Good Friday. It's the only two days where the church is binding us to fast and abstain from meat. So only two days a year. So don't mess up today. It's today and Good Friday. Now, I recommend that you fast more often for the holy season of Lent. Uh, I'm going to try to be doing it every day. And I know a lot of people in the CDT team are going to be trying to do that as well. And I encourage you to join us in that process. But in terms of requirements, the only two days that you're required to fast and abstain from meat is today, Ash Wednesday, and Good Friday. So don't mess up. Write it down. Put it on sticky notes. Stick it on everything around you. So that way you don't grab someone offers you a cookie and you take a bite. Oh, I forgot I was supposed to be fasting today. Oh, oh well. Next Ash Wednesday. Next year, I'll do it. Oh, Good, good Friday, I'll do it. So make sure, don't forget, today is Ash Wednesday. Make sure you're keeping the Holy Fast. At 15 past the hour, we're going to have, we're going to be talking about Jonathan Alexander and his fight for moral values in Canada. And at 30 past the hour, speaking of Canada, our friend Alan Smith will be on with us to discuss the second word of Christ on the cross. In the next hour, we're going to discuss fear, or we're going to be playing Fear and Trembling, our uh, Catholic trivia game show. But before we jump into today's show, good morning to you, Mr. Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Mr. Adrian Fonseca. It's uh, been a good morning so far. Praise be to God. What's wonderful. Uh, Tito, are you giving up Coke for Christmas? I mean, not Christmas, <laughs> Ash Wednesday for, for uh, Lent. There you go. Yes, I am. I'm giving up Coke, all sugar sweets. I even have uh, Ad Adrian, uh, David Magianes, and I are going to keep check on each other not to have any sugar, sweets, or chocolates of any sort. Nice, nice. You know, I was actually thinking about buying you a case of Coke, but so it's good to know. It's good please, to know. Please know. And say, I just, I just leave it in the fridge, staring at you. 
That'd, Every time you open it. That'd be good mm. mortification. <laughs> <laughs> good, good temptations, uh, overcoming, overcoming them. Uh, so that's good. That's good. I know the, the Arlington practices, I'm trying to give up uh, by fasting. It includes giving up Dr. Pepper. And I'm going to be honest, giving up Dr. Pepper might be the hardest of them all. I think you've been doing a good job unless you've been drinking it at home because I haven't. I see you here all day and I don't see a, a single beverage in your hand. Yeah. Uh-oh. Right. <laughs> Not a single beverage. Don't look at my trash can. Uh, whatever you do, <laughs> do not look there. You will not find a Dr. Pepper cream soda that I picked up at Valero on my way back from confession yesterday. My, you won't find it. You Did you pound a Dr. Did you pound a Dr. Pepper 15 minutes before I arrived this morning? No, no, no. Not that early in the morning. <laughs> but uh, praise be to God. Uh, I hope that he, did, were you able to make it to confession before Ash Wednesday, or will you be able to make it today? We're, we're, yes, we're going to be able to make it today. Uh, yesterday was busy, pretty busy. My wife was called up for jury duty, and she was there for eight to nine hours. So Yikes. she's out of it, though. Thank goodness. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, so if you haven't been to confession yet today is a great opportunity to get your lenten penance started you can go to confession and i highly recommend it because you merit nothing when you're in a state of mortal sin so make today the day to go to confession unless you went yesterday or the day before that or someday leading up to ash wednesday so if not start your holy season of lent off in the in our, on the right foot and go to confession today but let's jump in let's begin in prayer Let's pray for your intentions, whatever it is that you desire, uh, whatever is on your hearts, we're going to be praying for that. I pray that you have a good Lent, that you have a Holy Ash Wednesday, that you're able to keep up your fasting and, and abstinence today. And we're praying for all those intentions and any intentions. And of course, we continue to pray for the state of Ohio, that they uh, recover and that people are not sick and dying from the the chemicals being plumed into their area. But let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear. And answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, Ash Wednesday, and these are your headlines for today. NPR reports that bail has been set at $2 million for Bishop O'Connell's suspected killer. The man arrested by police in the shooting death of Auxiliary Bishop David O'Connell of Los Angeles is the husband of the bishop's housekeeper has been set at million, according to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. The pillar reports that Rupnik could be expelled from the Jesuits after new abuse allegations. Father Marco Rupnik will face an internal Jesuit process addressing allegations of spiritual and sexual abuse. Also with the pillar reporting, the Vatican Bank president testifies he was offered protection to approve the London deal. Jean-Baptiste de Françoux has been president of the Institute for the Works of Religion, also known as the Vatican Bank, since 2014. 
the bank's rejection of the Vatican Secretary of State's loan application for the controversial London property deal led Pope Francis to authorize a criminal investigation in 2019. And finally, Stefan J. Bose of Vatican News reports Russia suspends key nuclear treaty with U.S. The NATO military alliance says the world has become more dangerous after Russian President Vladimir Putin announces nation's suspension of a key nuclear weapons treaty with the U.S., the Old START Treaty. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are your headlines through a Catholic lens. The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 18. Be sure you do not perform your acts of piety before men for them to watch. If you do that, you have no title to a reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when thou givest alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in synagogues and in streets to win the esteem of men. Believe me, they have their reward already. But when thou givest alms, thou shalt not so much as let thy left hand know what thy right hand is doing. So secret is thy almsgiving to be, and then thy father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward thee. And when you pray, you are not to be like hypocrites, who love to stand praying in synagogues or at street corners to be a mark for men's eyes. Believe me, they have their reward already. But when thou art praying, go into thy inner room and shut the door upon thyself, and so pray to thy father in secret. And then thy father who sees what is done in secret will reward thee. Again, when you fast, do not show it by gloomy looks, as the hypocrites do. They make their faces unsightly, so that men can see they are fasting. Believe me, they have their reward already. But do thou at thy times of fasting. Anoint thy head and wash thy face, so that thy fast may not be known to men, but to thy Father who dwells in secret. And then thy Father who sees what is done in secret will reward thee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide had a lot to say about today's commentary, about today's Gospel. I'm going to try to reduce it as much as I can. He says, he proceeds to teach the way of doing things holily and rightly, and that we should do them with a right intention and with the desire of pleasing God, not man. He begins with alms. Then he teaches how we ought to pray and next how to fast. For with these three, vainglory is wont chiefly to bound up, says St. John Chrysostom. That's another very important thing. Our Lord intends us to pray fast and to give alms. He teaches us how to do it, not that we should do it. Why does he do that? Because he expects us to do it. So make sure that you are keeping those things in mind during the season of Lent, that we have to pray, we have to fast, and we have to give alms. He goes on, but Christ does not here forbid them to be done publicly and advantageously that men may see them and glorify God when St. Gregory says, let thy works be so done openly that thy intention may remain in secret and that we may afford an example of good works to our neighbors. So that yet with our intentions by which we seek to please God only, we may always desire secrecy. He who seeks to please men displeases God. For God, for as much as he is the author of good works, desires to be the object in the end of the same. 
that we should do them for God and refer them to his glory. So basically he's saying here, hey, if people see you praying, it can be a good example for your neighbor. So don't be overly scrupulous about saying, oh, man, I when we're at a, when I'm at a restaurant, I have to like hide. And he actually makes fun of Cornelius Lapide later on in this commentary. He actually makes fun of the Calvinist and the Puritans who take this too far and try to cover themselves with their hats. They hide their faces in their hats to in order that they can pray, quote, in secret. And he kind of makes a little joke of it and says, well, they they're trying to keep to Holy Scripture, but that your hat is not a is not a room. So that doesn't count. And I thought that was very amusing. Of course, he says, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee. Do not blow a horn. And this I thought was interesting because I didn't know this. He says, when the scribes and Pharisees were about to give away alms in the public streets, they either sent a trumpeteer before them or else blew a horn themselves under the pretext of drawing together by that means crowds of poor persons who might run and receive alms. But in reality, out of ostination, and then their liberality might be seen and talked of by those who flock together. So here again, we see that it's not so much the action that is bad as it is the intention that is bad. Because why do they blow the horn? They blow the horn in order to receive praise. Whereas if the horn was blown in order that people may know, hey, I'm here to give you some money. So people come out of your, your rooms, come out of your homes, whatever it is, then it could be good. It's, this is a example of a situation where the intention really does matter. Observe the Holy Scripture, the prophets, but above all, Christ detest hypocrisy and hypocrites who intend one thing in their heart and pretend something else outwardly. For Christ is truth, simplicity, sincerity itself. Wherefore, he hates all falsehood and duplicity. This is very important. Let us avoid a situation there where we could be called hypocrites. Finally, I want to end with him talking about fasting here. He says, moreover, when he fasts, Christ has taught that way, the way to pray. He now teaches how to fast because prayer without fasting is weak. As St. Chrysostom says, he teaches that it should be in earnest and in secret, not with the object of pleasing men, but God before the father who sees in secret will reward you. Keep that in mind, those words of St. John Chrysostom being quoted by Cornelius Alapide here. Christ has taught that the way to pray. He now teaches us how to fast because prayer without fasting is weak. Are your prayers ineffectual? Well, maybe you got to tie in some fasting because remember, some demons can only be driven out with prayer and fasting. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the Angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And it's so good to be on with you today. Good morning to you. Happy Ash Wednesday to you. I hope you're having a very blessed Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. I hope you're going to be able to make it to Holy Mass today. And I hope your fasting is going well. I had a comment come in saying, Remember, 60 or older, no fasting, only abstinence from meat. Well, yes, technically, you are not required to fast if you're over the age of 60. However, if you can fast if you're over the age of 60, why not do so? Why not? My understanding on that was if if the if the uh if you're too old, if you're suffering some from some uh illness of some sort or some defect that fasting would ca- cause you uh, bodily harm and death, then you could opt not to fast. It doesn't mean when you turn 60 you can go cuckoo now during during Lent. Right, of course. If you're, uh, if you're always, always, the church gives a dispensation for anyone who has a a reason via health to not fast. If you're pregnant, for instance, and those kind of situations, then you are exempt from that. But uh, if you can fast, if you're in a situation where you're exempt, but you know, hey, you know, I'm, I know objectively I'm exempt, but out of love of God, I know that I am capable to continue fasting then do so. I don't know. I know a lot of six-year-old people who are very, very healthy, who are healthier than uh, many people that are much younger than them. So if you are over the age of 60 and you're like, oh, man, I got a free pass, well, consider, can I fast? And if you can, well, think about doing so. Anyway, jumping into the story, there's a story that I saw. It was kind of an older story. I say old, but only in terms of like, of t- like new cycles go uh, in terms of the grand scheme of things it's fairly recent it was a, came out of the beginning of february so about less than 20 days ago but it feels like forever ago when it comes to the news there is this young man from canada and i say young man because he's actually only 16 years old it's very encouraging really the story some people may find it sad and scary but i actually am very encouraged by this because it makes me think Yes, the young people are realizing that this is where the counter-revolution is. The revolutionaries have taken over, and if you want to be counter-revolutionary, you can actually be so now. And how do you be counter-revolutionary? Well, you just have to be a faithful Catholic. That's how you do it. It's very simple nowadays. In times past, if you wanted to be a revolutionary, you had to uh, paint your hair different colors, pierce your body dress in horrible ways, 
all these different things. And now if you want to be a counter-revolutionary, you wear a suit. You put a tie on. You stand up for moral values. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Uh, that's the kind of scene as rebelling nowadays. What good is good, what bad, and what is bad is good. Right, exactly. The woe to them, right? Exactly. I can't remember the exact yes. Bible quote. Josh Alexander, this article by LifeSite News, I highly recommend checking out the article. It says, I have just been arrested and charged at my Catholic high school for attending class after being excluded for indicating my intent to adhere to my religious beliefs, tweeted Alexander this morning. This was uh, back in February 6th. Very, very interesting. He said Alexander protested his Catholic school, St. Joseph's, last year, allowing gender-confused males to use girls' bathrooms, and was then suspended. His tweet today included a photo of him in front of the school and being taken into custody by members of Ontario Provincial Police. I was arrested and charged with trespassing today. Alexander told LifeSite News, and I want to play a little clip of uh, this scene if I'm going to, if we're able to. Um, it's very concerning what he expounds upon whenever asked about that topic. He says, taking action into his own hands, Josh led a school-wide walkout in open defiance of St. Joseph's transgender policy, demanding that St. Joseph's High School stop this immorality. That's very interesting, right? He organizes a walkout in defiance of a Catholic high school's transgender policy. Why does a Catholic high school have a transgender policy unless that policy is to say that we don't support it? But if they're promoting it, that's bad. It is bad. I believe it's a carryover from the British system where they fund religious schools. In this case, Ontario funds the Catholic schools, so it's open to all Catholics, whether they practice or not. So it's not a motivated, intentional group of Catholics that start a Catholic school at their parish. It's people looking for a government job and just tick off the box that they, they don't mind being a, a bureaucrat or administrator at a Catholic school. So these kind of things, I'm surprised, have not popped up even earlier. So I, I, I believe almost half or the majority of the administrators at that particular school are baffled by this kid protesting what to them seems right good and in in the march of history yeah for sure and the the interesting thing to me is that they had a a school walkout with this and people started joining in with him and because of this because he was actually creating an effect that that's why they suspended him and and are talking about now, kicking him out from the school entirely, uh, what do they call that? Um, expulsion. There we go. They're planning on expelling him from the school entirely because of this. It's very interesting to me that, that you can be expelled for being a Christian because he's actually not Catholic. And this is really, really scandalous because what is his impression as a Protestant? His impression as a Protestant is that, wow, these Catholics really want to defend transgender ideology. That's very strange. That's bad. That's not the kind of public image that we want as Catholics. Instead, we want to present ourselves as the defenders of the faith. And I find it very interesting because he stands here talking about wanting to defend his classmates, wanting to defend the young ladies at his school who have to go to these restrooms with men gaining access to women's restrooms pretending to be women. That's very, very concerning. And he talks about it when you hear him uh, in other parts and other interviews talk about this issue. He very clearly is doing this out of love for his fellow classmates. 
And it's very interesting as well. Very rarely do you see students talk about how they want to be in class. And he says, I just want to go to school. I want to go back into class, but they won't let me because of this. And they said they're trying to get me to do a online school, but I, I'm not doing that. I want to be in class. I'm not going to settle for an inferior education. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, it's it. I, it's beautiful to see somebody st- stand up for for chivalric values. Chivalry, being born from the Middle Ages of Europe, have are is completely Catholic in origin. And as a Catholic, I'm embarrassed that the principal is allowing this to happen. That the bishop is not stepping in. Yes, he's not Catholic, but he is Christian, and he is a shepherd to all Christians, whether they're Protestant or Catholic. And he's defending Catholic dogma, teaching, the teachings from the Bible. So it's just a bit embarrassing as a Catholic to see this Protestant lead the way on Catholic teaching. Absolutely, absolutely. And I hope that this will be encouraging to people, because I really think that this is what all students that are happen to be in any of these schools that's this is the way they should be, that they should stand up against these ideologies and that they should be able to to stand. As you read about the, the young saints of the past who stood up for Christ and his church, it's interesting. He says here in the LifeSite article, Alexander had been reading passages. So he also was protesting a drag queen uh, story hour. He says, Alexander has been reading passages from the gospel via a megaphone. We got surrounded pushed up against the wall. He said, they hit us a bit. They shoved us. They grabbed us. They ripped my hat off, stomped it into the ground, and I never got it back, my hat. Very interesting because that is what's happening here. We're seeing all these ideologies happen. And I think it's amusing because Protestants don't have things like the rosary and things like that. So whenever they see them protest, they just read Holy Scripture. Um, I want to play for you this clip of uh, Josh Alexander talking about his expulsion and why this is happening to him. Oh, the the gender ideology that gets pushed by the Catholic board is incredible. Um, I had teachers telling me and the entire classroom that uh, male breastfeeding is okay and it's normal and it's natural. And uh, actually, one of the allegations that's being held against me up to, um, until this day is that I said male breastfeeding is pedophilia. So that kind of shows you where the uh, Catholic board's at right now. Yeah, that is very, very concerning. Imagine that at a Catholic school. They're doing that. And that just blows my mind that someone can think that that's okay, that someone can think that that should happen at a Catholic school. And I'm just thinking, because he's a Protestant, what is his perspective that the, that the Catholic board at his school is telling him, hey, I understand that you have your religious beliefs as a Christian, but us as a Catholic school, we support these idea, transgender ideologies. That should be very concerning to you. It's very concerning to me. And I understand that this situation in Canada is unique in comparison to the United States, that, that they're uh, publicly funded, so they have that kind of relationship. But how many schools in America, how many Catholic schools in America have a very similar situation? I know recently a friend of mine actually got uh, kicked out of a Catholic school. Why? Because he was a faithful Catholic because he wanted to bring in the Baltimore Catechism to teach the kids. And they said that that was divisive, and it was causing division within the school, teaching the Baltimore Catechism, a catechism that taught our forefathers, taught the people who came before us, and maybe taught you when you were a child. 
I was uh, actually in class yesterday with my professor, Dr. Theodore Rebar, and he was telling me, you know what was great about being raised in the, in the 1950s? But there was no talk about change, no talk about revolution in the church. It was just, you were taught the faith. Everything was very clear, straightforward. We didn't need to investigate whether the nuns were trying to trick us or trying to deceive us or were teaching bad things. We used the Baltimore Catechism, we read the Baltimore Catechism, and we memorized the Baltimore Catechism. And look at him now. Uh, he's a faithful Catholic. He knows his faith very well. This was very common in times past. And maybe that's the plan, which is why us as a CDT team are going to be going through the Aquinas Catechism as a group. Because we really have a situation where we don't know the faith where we hear people who are what we might call, what we might say is leaders in the church, whether that be bishops or school boards or DREs, things like that, say certain things about the faith. And you think to yourself, oh, well, they probably know better. They have a master's in divinity or, oh, father has a degree. A father went to seminary or that person he studied. He's in charge. So he obviously they wouldn't put someone who doesn't know the faith in charge. Well, you need to learn your faith. We live in a situation, we live in a society nowadays where we don't have the luxury of being able to just trust what we're told about the faith. We have an obligation to learn. Every age of the church has its own problems, has its own difficulties that the laity have to rise up and fight against. Sometimes it was martyrdom. Sometimes it was a literal war like the Cristero martyrs. But sometimes it's a war on the minds and hearts of the faithful. And so because of that, we need to think and we need to learn the faith in a very serious way. If we want to learn the faith in a very serious way, we need to pick up those traditional means of teaching the faith and learn them. Why? Because they're clear, they're concise, and you can put them to memory very, very easily. So let's take that as our mission for this Lent. Let's learn the faith and learn it well. Coming up is Alan Smith with Fulton Sheen today. We're going to be talking about the second word of Christ on the cross. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw in somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. 
It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know. And now in these past couple of years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd. And these are your headlines for today. Catholic World News reports the USCCB president responds to persecution of church in Nicaragua. Archbishop Brolio of the Archdiocese of Military Services, the USCCB president responded to the continuing deterioration of human rights and religious freedom in Nicaragua, including the stripping of the citizenship of 222 deported political prisoners and the 26-year-old prison sentence for Bishop Rolando Alvarez. Nirmala Carvalho at Crux reports India's Christians protest rising tide of anti-Christian persecution. More than 2,000 Indian Christians rallied on an historical site in the national capital of New Delhi on February 19th, staging a rare public protest against hate crimes and discrimination directed at Christians across the country. Organizers said Christians have, say, have staged such public rallies in the capital city against the harassment they suffer only five times since national independence was declared in 1947, and that a rising tide of discrimination has compelled them to act. Deborah Castellano-Lubov at Vatican News reports Pope Francis appeals for an end to absurd and cruel Ukraine war. As a one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, Approaches, Pope Francis renews his appeal for concrete efforts to end the conflict and to reach a ceasefire and to start peace negotiations. And finally, Jonah McKean at Catholic News Agency reports newly discovered asteroids named after Jesuits and a pope. The Vatican Observatory announced this week the naming of four newly discovered asteroids after notable Catholics including Pope Gregory XIII who began the tradition of papal astronomers and observatories. The newly named asteroids include Ugo Boncompagni, which honors Ugo Boncompagni, Pope Gregory XIII. Gregory commissioned the astronomer Clavius, Father Clavius, who also has an asteroid named after him, to reform the calendar in the 16th century, leading to his namesake Gregorian calendar. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. Uh, before we jump in, I need to remind you guys. Remember all those spots reminding you about a car raffle and buying raffle tickets? Well, it's all over but the crying. On Friday, we are actually be drawing the name of the winner of the car, of the Mercedes-Benz CLA 250, that's going to be done on Friday, this coming Friday, at the 7 o'clock Central Time Hour. If you join us then, you're going to be tuned in to uh, hear the, the car raffle drawing. So make sure you tune in, because you might drive away with the Mercedes, oh, sorry, Mercedes-Benz CLA 250. But joining us right now via Zoom chat is Alan Smith with Fulton Sheen today. We're going to be talking about the second word of, from, of Christ from the cross. Um, the word is... Father, uh, into, uh, let me see. Hold on one second. Remember me when thou shalt come into thy kingdom was the word said to Christ. And Christ responds, I say to thee, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Uh, good morning to you, Mr. Alan Smith. 
Good morning, Adrian. It is great to be with you this morning talking about the words of our Lord from the cross. Um, uh, Fulton Sheen would say the words of a dying man. Uh, again, someone who uh, wants to impart to, to us a great wisdom. So it's great that we're kind of taking a little bit of time every week to go through one of the words that our Lord said from the cross. And today, as you mentioned earlier, we're going to reflect on the words, this day you will be with me in paradise. Amen. Amen. You know, Alan, I was I was listening to I think it was on Friday, I was listening to someone a lecture on the shot of Turin, and they were talking about how difficult it would have been for somebody on the cross after getting uh, scourged and after being on the cross for hours to speak in that way. And they're saying how amazing and how heart-wrenching it would be because usually your average person, all they did was curse and scream and utter groans, which our Lord did groan, but he definitely did not curse or blaspheme. But they, it was shocking to someone to actually hear someone say substantial things. It's very interesting to me. Yes, and and I think when we look at um, the conversation between the good thief and our blessed Lord, um, the fact that they had a conversation, and uh, when you study the, you know, the passage in Scripture, uh, you see this interaction between the good thief, our Lord, and and the bad thief. Uh, remember, at the beginning of the crucifixion, both the thieves were blaspheming the Lord keeping insults upon him. But when the good thief heard the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, uh, he had a conversion of heart. And when the bad thief was mocking our Lord and saying, if you be the Christ, get us down from this cross, uh, the good thief spoke up and said, do you not fear God? He is innocent we're guilty. We deserve this punishment. He doesn't. And then, of course, turned uh, his head to our Lord and said, please remember me when you enter into your kingdom. How many of us defend the faith in the way the good thief does? How mm. many of us stand up to those who heap insult upon the church, upon our blessed Lord? Uh, the good thief was rewarded for his uh, act of faith, his courage. Um, again, again, it's just a beautiful interaction when you study the scripture. Uh, and again, that beautiful reward uh, from our Lord saying, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's something, that's something to meditate upon. Thinking about defending our Lord. I haven't really thought of that. The, the idea we encounter blasphemy so often every single day. Yet how often do we correct the blasphemy that we turn to our friend or, or our neighbor and tell them, do you not fear God? I would be curious to know the reaction you would get if you did something like that. I've done that to, to friends of mine when we are together. Uh, I'd have almost never done it to, to strangers, but you know, it's very interesting because typically the uh, people, um, in my experience, my, when I'm talking to my, my friends, they usually react very well. Uh, but I'd be curious to know what someone's reaction would be if you're out in public or you're just standing in line at the mall and you hear somebody beside you blaspheming how they would react. I don't know. Have you ever done anything like that, Alan? 
Yeah, I, I do it in a subtle way. I, I have a hockey jersey that has the words Jesus, Mary, and Joseph on the back of my hockey jersey because uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the team that I cheer for, had a goalie named Curtis Joseph. And when they traded him to the Detroit Wed Rings, um, I then put the words Jesus and Mary uh, above his name, Joseph. So when I go uh, out in public and I hear people use the name of our Lord in vain, I just uh, yell out, Mary Joseph. And they give me this look like, what did you just say? Well, you said Jesus, and I said Mary and Joseph. So I was just completing the sentence uh, because they're the three <laughs> names that should be <laughs> should be praised. Um, so it's a comical way. It's a lighthearted way, but the point is delivered. You know, uh, I'm just finishing the sentence, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, um, a, a way to correct without having to uh, have attention there. But uh, every so often, um, I go to a hockey game with a priest, and when he hears the name of the Lord blaspheme, he turns around, and he wears his Roman collar, and I think he just gives him the look, uh, just as our blessed Lord gave St. Peter the look uh, when, um, of course, he, he saw him. And, of course, he had that conversion. He started to weep bitterly, Peter did, uh, after this, the gaze of our Lord. So, uh, again, there's ways to do it. Very and, Canadian uh, again, attitude. Yeah, yes, that's right. But, the, uh, Canadian, <laughs> <not> the Canadian, <laughs> but uh, again, back to our blessed Lord, I think it's uh, that how the good thief corrected his fellow thief. And, um, again, we need more of that. Maybe, again, that's a, a Lenten observance we can all tr practice together, um, trying to do fraternal correction and to defend the faith and defend our Lord. Hi, Alan. This is Tito Edwards. I wanted to ask you, is there any relation between the symbolic iconography of the Orthodox cross to that of the second words from Christ on the cross? And if so, could you explain it? Um, I, I can't explain that. <laughs> um, again, I just, um, that's an area that I go, oh, never thought of the, the difference between the cross. And I know there's an extra, I think there's an extra bar, I think. It's yes, or something. it's the, it's uh, the foot, foot, uh, foot base where Jesus placed his foot. And if you look at it, it's pointing towards the good thief upwardly as if signifying he's in heaven with Jesus. And it's pointing downward towards the bad thief, thief pointing that his destiny was not quite as good as the good thief. Yeah, well, that, that ties into what Fulton Sheen said. Um, he talked about the choices that the two thieves made. Uh, the one thief was asking to be taken down, and the other thief was asking to be taken up. And um, again, he gives a beautiful analogy of hosp hospital beds. Um, he says, you know, in every hospital, the beds are divided in half. There's those souls that suffer in, with pain and uh, offer it up. They unite it to our Lord's suffering. Um, and truly, it is upward. And then there's those that want to be taken down, um, those who rather not have pain. And so it's that beautiful uh, question that uh, I think we ask everyone. Do you want to be taken up or taken down? And that's what the two thieves chose. And the good thief chose the better choice. Yeah, absolutely. And as the poet has put it, two men looked out through their prison bars. The one saw mud, the other stars. We'll be right back with more from Alan Smith. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D., and so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel... All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. Hey, Donnie, what do we say when we make the sign of the cross? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did Mama teach you that? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and I'm joined today with Alan Smith with Fulton Sheen Today. We're discussing the second word from the cross, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Very beautiful words. And, you know, I wanted to pivot our conversation and talk a little bit about the topic of pain and suffering because it just struck me so much I was having this discussion on Twitter, and you know, Twitter's a great place to have uh, good discourse. People are very charitable. They like to explain themselves very well. Good argumentation. Very virtuous place on Twitter. And we're going, we're talking, I was talking about hospice care. And someone was saying how they, they were encouraging the idea of giving morphine to the elderly, to those dying, so that way they will die faster. So that way they will avoid suffering. And I was talking with my sister who deals with a lot of people who are elderly and in nursing homes, things like that. And she was saying how, you know, some people are incredibly cheerful. They are very old. They're very sick. They may be crippled. They have a lot of problems, yet they're very joyful. And others in the same kind of situation or sometimes not even as bad of a situation, a much less bad situation, and they are just bitter, angry, They're upset about everything, and it's very two different ways of dealing with pain. And Fulton Sheen talks about this in one of his sermons on the second word. Alan Smith, could you tell us about that? Yes. Well, it was uh, what I was mentioning earlier before the break about these hospital beds being divided into two groups, Uh, those who unite their suffering to our Lord and see it as a blessing. Some even say, you know, this pain I'm receiving... I believe it's uh, kind of a way for me to do penance, uh, to make up for the times that I've wounded our Lord. Um, again, just beautiful um, thought to think about that, that pain is sometimes uh, seen as a gift from God to get our attention. Uh, Fulton Sheen talks a lot about the uh, pain being the megaphone 
um, you know, that uh, of God to get our attention, uh, while others just see pain as an obstacle, uh, you know, something that needs to be alleviated. And that's why the suggestion for morphine. Uh, I think of the beautiful soul, Father John Hardin. Uh, many people know of his writings. Um, when he was dying, um, he would uh, be saying more, more, more. And people thought he was asking for morphine. Uh, <laughs> but he wasn't asking for morphine. He was asking for more pain to help save souls. He was truly, uh, again, in a very uh, beautiful way, just saying, I want to unite this suffering to our Lord, to give it back to him in a beautiful way. So, uh, again, that, uh, again, opportunity for to unite his suffering to our Lord's is so beautiful. So, uh, again, pain has a purpose, pain has a plan, and God uses pain, but sometimes we don't really, aren't smart enough or wise enough to realize uh, that it's here for a reason. And, again, it's to get our attention and to help us to make some penance uh, for, um, again, the wound that we caused our Lord. Yeah, it's very interesting because in our modern world, we see pain and suffering as the worst possible thing. Yet you look at the past and pain and suffering were just normal because, like, for instance, we have, we're talking about the season of Lent, we're talking about fasting. Most cultures could never had the opportunity to feast as much as we do in America, and I'm assuming it's the same in Canada uh, as we do today, where we could have three square meals a day and a snack in between each meal very easily. Most cultures in other times, and even in, in, our, in the cultures that we live in just 100 years ago, would not have been able to do that. And so we have this ideology that pain, suffering is all bad. And yet, what did our Lord say? He says, instead, take up your cross daily and follow me. And that is what brings us to eternal life. It's not uh, easiness, but it is, a, it is the cross. Right. And, and I think this is important that we bring up the topic of the cross and uniting our cross with our Lord. Um, this is what the good thief did so well. Um, he realized he had his own cross to carry and that what he was doing, he was uniting his small cross uh, to the larger cross of our blessed Lord. Uh, Sheen talks about how even Our Lady, uh, when she uh, uttered her second word, uh, you know, he recounts the seven times uh, the Blessed Mother was um, uh, recorded as saying something in Scripture. And so the second time that she spoke, she said, be it done to me according to thy word. And uh, what she was saying is, I accept this cross. I accept this cross of being the mother of our Blessed Lord. Um, we all have a cross, and God patterns uh, each cross to our own individual lives. And we just have to realize that that's God's plan, is that we each have our own cross to carry, and that we can offer it um, and, again, join it to our Lord's. Um, and this is what uh, I think we miss out sometimes. Uh, but that beautiful uh, invitation by our Blessed Lord, you know, um, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. We all have a cross to carry, but uh, when we can realize that it can, we can unite it to our Lord's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, for sure. And I know I think people really need to be very grateful to God that He is God and not me, because I'm telling you, 
if it was me on that cross, I would have been like, ain't none of y'all making it to heaven. Not a single one of y'all. Y'all, you guys are terrible. Y'all are the worst. Uh, Yet our Lord shows infinite mercy to say, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't deserve it. He squandered his life away. And yet, what does Fulton Sheen say? He says he's the man who, who stole heaven, the thief who stole heaven. It's mind-blowing to me. What do you say about the mercy that our Lord shows here? Yeah, I think of, um, I love that line you just shared about the thief died a thief and that he stole heaven. He stole heaven. I think uh, we'd all like to have the same experience that we somehow get in, uh, that we be are able to steal Sneak heaven. in right behind Christ. Uh, Maybe I'm crazy. I think um, even one time Fulton Sheen wrote that he said, you know, um, uh, the good thief only said one prayer in his life, but it was a good prayer. And I think of how Fulton Sheen, I think, especially during the season of Lent, when we want to um, overcome sin and practice virtue. Um, these are things that I think we all kind of want to, uh, you know, come to the end of the season of Lent and said, I worked on the virtue of hope. I worked on uh, overcoming the sin of envy. And these are the sins and the virtues that Fulton Sheen brings to our attention with the story of the good thief. Uh, the good thief had no envy in him. Uh, of course, the bad thief envied our Lord. And that's why he said, if you be the Christ, use your power and get us down. Uh, but the good thief realized, you know, he had no envy in him. Uh, he was meek and humble, and that's why the Lord uh, rewarded him, because he was truly, again, blessed are the meek. Uh, we know that beautiful beatitude. And yet, the virtue of hope. Um, somehow, the good thief looked to our Lord and said, He is my hope. I trust in him. And I think sometimes we are not people of hope. Uh, we just kind of go, well, I just presume, I'm presuming, yeah, God will save me. <laughs> you know, he, everybody gets into heaven. Well, that's not what uh, Fulton Sheen of the church is uh, recommending, that we have that expected hope, that we hope in the Lord. And, uh, of course, what was nice is the good thief heard the good words that you will be with me in paradise. So his hope turned into joy, and hopefully we will experience the same thing. You know, I think about the lesson that we can learn from the good thief. And one thing is the fact that we need to embrace not just our cross, but also our just punishment. Because the, the thief on the cross, it's not so simple as he's saying, oh, I was innocent. Instead, it was the exact opposite. He said he turns to the other thief and rebukes him and says, we deserve to be here, but he did nothing wrong. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it is that action it is the taking on of the punishment that he recognized as just. Our Lord saw that and in responding, told him today you will be with me in paradise. And I think about that sometimes because one, it's kind of a endorsement of a capital punishment and saying, Hey, if you are right, justly punished in that way, if you accept it, you can be saved. And two, it gives you a lesson in our daily lives for the consequences of our sins. We should embrace them and say, Hey, I deserve this, 
So let me take that on. Uh, what say you, Alan Smith? Yeah. Well, I think of how uh, Fulton Sheen, uh, there's a line that I uh, share, and I think people get it. He says this. He says, there are two ways of coming to God. One is through the preservation of innocence, and the other is through the loss of it. Uh, To paraphrase, what he's saying is, is sometimes God uses the devil to bring us to Christ. He uses those uh, unfortunate choices in our life to bring us this sorrow, to bring us to contrition, to bring us to the Lord. So that happens. But he also says that the the world loves the mediocre. He loves the mediocre. And I think this is what we have to beware of is just, um, again, our Lord said, I, I, I'm going to vomit, you know, <laughs> you either have to be hot or cold, and I will vomit out of my mouth so lukewarm. Uh, avoid mediocrity. Avoid mediocrity. Uh, we have to be on fire uh, for the Lord, and that's so important. Uh, but again, sometimes the Lord brings us to uh, himself by our misery, by our bad choices. And yet the Lord wants to offer us his forgiveness. And uh, may I recommend that everyone uh, get to confession as soon as possible to uh, start your season of Lent off on the right foot. And uh, great to hear that uh, a few of you have been um, taking up that uh, beautiful um, uh, opportunity that was offered to you to go to confession. So again, the Lord sometimes brings us to him through misery, but uh, hopefully it'll be through joy next time. Amen, amen. And I want to conclude by reading this passage from the seven last words. He says, Let us examine our consciences. Let us ask ourselves not how much we know, but how much we do not know. Not how good we are, but how bad we are. Let us judge ourselves not by the knowledge we possess, but by our consciousness. Not by our education, but by our habits. Not by our politeness, but by our hearts. As all Catholics... Do we, when we go to confession, say, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I am a sinner. Such is the beginning of salvation. The thief died a thief, for he stole paradise. And if we win paradise, we will be thieves too, for we will never deserve what we got. The God of everlasting peace. Thank you, Alan Smith, with Fulton Sheen today. Make sure to pick up the book, The Seven Last Words. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time. I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's hearts, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote any 
anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching in the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Macy from St. Teresa's in Sugarland. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. The board to add the high priest silver to his hoard. Had our Redeemer stooped to wash my feet, would I have washed my neighbors clean and sweet? Or thrice denied the Christ I had adored? Long have I grieved that I was not St. Paul, who rode those seas and saw the tempest toss, the ships he sailed and when he heard the call to preach the risen Christ and gain through loss. Tonight I envy most among them all, that thief who hung repentant on his cross. Alexander Harvey uh, from The Seven Virtues by Fulton Sheen. What a beautiful meditation. What a beautiful thing on this Ash Wednesday. Good morning to you. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and I am so ready for Lent this year. I want to have the best Lent that I've ever had. Because when we have all the nice things in life, when life is so easy, it becomes very easy to become a sinner. It becomes very easy to fall into complacency. It becomes easy to just go with the malaise in the world. But when you fast, when you do penance, when you give alms, when you do more fervent prayer, it changes something. It makes it more clear and more obvious that you need a savior and that we are called not to be comfortable, but instead we are called to fight against the culture, to take up our cross daily and follow Christ. And where does Christ end up? He ends on Calvary. And so that's where he's calling us to. He's calling you to your own personal Calvary. And on that happy note, good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. That was a, an astounding poem that you uh, read the right after the break. 
I thought that was very inspiring. And uh, yes, I'm also stoked <laughs> about Lent myself. Looking forward uh, to fighting it out. So far, I'm doing great. Granted, it's only been seven hours in Lent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, how is, uh, what, if you're able to say, what is your, uh, what's your wife up to for Lent this year? You know, she was still deciding because she doesn't want to do what I did. She was too too uh, too challenging, but uh, she she but when she puts her mind to it, she does much better than I do. I think she's going to opt for that one meal a day and fast. Wow! Yeah, she's on the she's on the board for the the CDT team fast right there. Yes, yes. Awesome. Oh, I'm excited. Oh god, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we invite you to join us and do the CDT fast. You know, we're going to have one meal a day. And that one meal, I'm not going to I'm not going to say we're just to to do full bore. I have one friend. Oh my goodness, I won't call him out because he would probably be upset that I told people. But oh my goodness. My buddy here, he gave up butter, eggs, and meat. He became vegan for Lent. And he's not a vegan. He's a carnivore just as much as I am. And he became vegan for Lent last year. And I think he's doing it again this year. And I'm like, whew, my friend, you, sir, are a better man than I am. I can't do that. So I'm not going to go that far, but I will be doing one meal a day. And I encourage you uh, to work your way up to doing that as well. I promise it'll make it fruitful for you. Obviously, Keep in mind your own personal health concerns um, and consult your doctor, all those things that, you're, that I have to say, you have to say before recommending anything. You just reminded me of my, one of my very first encounters when I moved to Texas long ago in this millennium. Uh, I was with my, my great cousin Michael in Austin, and he brought me with him and his girlfriend to a party, a, uh, a I guess, Gen X party. And uh, I, I was at the food table at, at the, where all the, the trays were, and a girl walked up looking at it. She looked at me, and she says, I'm a fish-eating vegetarian. And without skipping a beat, in a split second, I said, I'll just be smart. And I said, well, I'm a meat-eating American. Nice to meet you. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's really cool. Where's Vegetaria at? <laughs> Vegetaria. That's funny. <laughs> no, but one thing that I wanted to, to talk about, in the time we had before the game show, because we have the game show coming up at 15 past the hour. But the one thing that I wanted to talk about was I was thinking yesterday about the slippery slope argument. And I know there's a little bit of a pivot, but there's a difference between following ideas to their logical conclusion and a slippery slope. Because people try to throw that out there as, that's a slippery slope fallacy. You can't say that. Just because we have A doesn't mean we're going to have B. And that's true. It just depends on what that is. Because if you have certain ideologies, if you have certain ideas, they necessitate certain things. So, for instance, how was it that Pope Paul VI, when he wrote Humane Vitae, could predict the destruction of of marriage and the family just by looking at contraception. How did he do that? He wasn't a prophet. He didn't have some kind of vision from God. He never claimed that an angel from heaven descended down and told him these things. So how was he able to know that so clearly whenever most people thought it was insane? Well, he wasn't making a slippery slope fallacy. Instead, he was looking at the logical conclusions of the act. 
Because if contraception is a destruction of the marital act, is a destruction of procreation, where does that lead? Once you start destroying the primary end of marriage, well, then the secondary ends of marriage are also being attacked. Because once you destroy what's foundational, the secondary things always fall apart. So just like if you attack the church, the best way to destroy the church would be to destroy belief in Christ, because Christ is foundational. So you can attack individual doctrines, you can attack the different disciplines, you can attack the liturgy, but those things are all one little chip that you just kind of work at. But if you attack the foundation, everything else will follow eventually, even if for a while, kind of like the idea that, oh, Christ, Christ rose on Easter Sunday spiritually in our hearts. <laughs> and then people see that and they say, well, you, if you deny that, will you destroy Christianity? Well, no, no, no. I'm still affirming Christianity. I still believe all the Christian ideas. But if you deny that Christ rose bodily from the dead, if you deny that, then everything that our Lord promised, everything that he prophesied, everything he said and did are meaningless because he did not tell the truth. He told us that he was going to rise from the dead and it did not happen. And so logically following the conclusion, you take the next step and the next step and the next step, and the next thing you know, you have denied all of Christianity. Even though many people who first proposed the idea remain Christians, remain Catholics, they're Catholics in bad standing because that's heresy to deny the resurrection, but they claim to still believe in all the other teachings of the church, just not that one. But when you start denying things that are foundational, it leads a certain way. And that's the same thing with the homosexual issue is the same thing with the transgender issue is the same thing with the marriage issue. All these things, they begin with foundational ideas and it leads somewhere. And so I, the importance of taking our premises to their logical conclusions, the principle of being consistent in our thoughts. That's why I love being Catholic. That's why I love Thomas Aquinas. That's why I love studying Thomas Aquinas. That's why I love Thomistic philosophy, because it's the only philosophy that I've ever found that you can actually live your entire life based on that philosophy, and you will always be consistent. And I've encountered this over the last week whenever I was in a discussion with someone, and we were talking, and I was making a point about freedom and libertarianism and this idea that oh the idea that you can just do whatever you want is a good thing i was saying that that's bad and they saying, well if you say that then you would have to say this and i'm saying no i don't because my philosophy is consistent with itself so i'm not going to be caught in a contradiction i don't have that problem and so i just can be able to easily explain why situation a is different from situation b and how i'm not being inconsistent and i love that about the catholic faith it's amazing. Uh, what do you think, Tito? Very streamlined. I, I do, too. When I was coming back, I, I found a Vatican II study group, and we had to refer to the Bible and the catechism and, and some other aspects of our faith. And it was just so clean and neat, concise, cl uh, lots of clarity. All the pieces fit. Everything made sense. It, it's just a wonderful way to live. Yes, we have to carry our cross, but my goodness, the more you carry it, the more you offer it up to God, the more you unite your suffering to God, 
the le less painful it gets, if, if that makes any sense. But that's the paradox of, of Jesus dying on the cross. He had to die on the cross. And, and getting back to the point of making uh, contraception legal, or at least the killing of the babies, everybody said the next day after 1973, well, look, society hasn't collapsed. Well, no, that's not the way it works. After denying that, that uh, the, the unitive and procreative act was, was disconnected with the, the advent of the, of the pill and then of the legalizing of abortion, then what was the difference between man and, and woman? The logical conclusion is we have the trans ideology now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. It, yep. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. And there was a tweet actually from Michael Knowles, and he was saying, I, I forget the tweet, I should have pulled it up. He was saying something along the lines of, uh, in the 1920s, oh, pro-feminism, oh, those crazy people saying that uh, about uh, destruction of marriage. No, we just want feminism. And then 20 years later, no, we want no-fault divorce. Uh, those crazy people talking about gay marriage. No, we just want no-fault divorce. And then uh, 20 years later, oh, we just want gay marriage. We don't want that crazy transgender ideology. And then 20 years later, and how it just keeps progressing, progressing, progressing off yep. a cliff. Um, so all this is just a giant, a giant advertisement to promote our study series that we're going through the Aquinas Catechism. Yes, yes this whole situation was a giant bait and switch. Ha <laughs> <laughs> got you. Uh, it, today is, I said that yesterday was going to be the last day, but I'll tell you guys what. If you sign up for our email list right now, you got to go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and sign up for our email list. And then if you send me an email before nine o'clock today, I will still allow you to join our private telegram chat. Central Standard Time. Central Standard Time. And by nine o'clock Central Standard Time, if you send me an email, if you sign up for the email list, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, sign up for our email list. And then shoot me an email, said, hey, I signed up for the email list. I want to be on the Aquinas Catechism study session for this Lent. Then I will send you that Telegram chat where we will be having our Aquinas uh, study session with the Aquinas Catechism. So if you want to learn what the faith is, very short, concise, easy to understand bites, and I'm going to walk through it with you, if you want to do that with us, then you all you have to do is go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt sign up for our email list then shoot me an email adrian at grnonline.com and i will send you the telegram link where you can then be signed up to be on our telegram chat and there is where we're going to have our aquinas study session and i noticed too which is really cool i went to go uh, recommend this book to somebody else a friend of mine and i went online to go buy it on amazon it's sold out now. Excellent. And so I assume that this is our doing. I assume that's our doing, that we sold them out. Uh, so you're welcome, the whoever CDT is the publisher, effect. the CDT effect. I don't know. who Sophia Insu Press, you're welcome. I wish I had asked for royalties for that. You always Charlie McKinney. Charles McKinney, who's that? <laughs> He's the publisher of Sophia Institute oh, Press. Oh, <laughs> okay. I got to send him a text message and be like, look what I did for you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So very cool. That's what you got to do. But now we're going to have our game show, Fear and Trembling. And the number to call is 877-757-9424 to be on our Fear and Trembling game show. I'm looking at the questions here, and it should be very simple. 877-757-9424. 
at least two of them are very easy. The number to call is 877-757-9424. So make sure that you dial in 877-757-9424 to be entered into a chance to win a prize for tomorrow. 877-757-9424. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. I promise to love you in good times and in bad, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. On your wedding day, you made this vow to your spouse in the presence of God and all those present. These are not words to be taken lightly. And the reality is that the responsibilities of marriage and family can be challenging at times. Good times can become bad in the blink of an eye. Things like financial hardship and sickness, among others, very often bring about fears and anxieties that make it difficult to be as loving as we should be. There is a simple Latin phrase to keep on hand when fear and anxiety take over our thoughts. Quid est hoc ad aeternitatum? What is this in the light of eternity? In other words, keep things in proper perspective. While the challenges here on this earth seem like a big deal at the moment, they are but a flash in the pan compared to all of eternity in heaven. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. Check us out on Facebook. Georgiani. I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. is the number to call to be on our game show, Fear and Trembling. And if you call in and you're not on today, make sure you call in tomorrow. We still have several days of opportunity to win this week's prize. Tomorrow and Friday, we have opportunities to win this week's prize. Uh, and I just want to say thank you real quickly to Sarah De La Rosa and Erica um, Barria, Bar- Barria. Sorry, I just butchered her name. I got two emails already telling me that they wanted to join our Telegram chat to join on the Aquinas study session. So just a shout out there. But the, the Fear and Trembling Game Show, it's very simple, very straightforward. I know you're going to be able to get it. The I'm going to ask three questions, but I'm not going to ask the caller the questions. Instead, I'm going to ask Rudy, and I'm going to ask Tito the questions, and it's their job to give me an answer. And it's your job to tell me who's right, who's wrong, who's being tricky, and tell me the right answer. So it's a 50-50 chance each question, and every correct answer gets a drawing or a chance to win 
the a prize for this week's game show, which is what, Tito? To, today's game prize is a CDT coffee cup of divine providence. Awesome, awesome. Uh, see if you can collect them all. I know some people have been around listening to the game show since the beginning, and they've got every uh, version of the coffee cup of divine providence signed by the various CDT teams. That's pretty cool. If you have multiples, let me know. I'd be very curious if you send those pictures to me. I'd be very interested. But joining us right now is Gilbert. Good morning to you, Gilbert. Top of the morning, gents. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from? San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. Have you found the basement of the Alamo? No, but uh, they're extending it right now. They're redoing the whole deal. Praise be God. Huh. I may go on a pilgrimage to San Antonio at some point soon. Nice. Take Thinking it about doing it. All right. You, nice. you got a duffel bag I could fit into? Yeah, I got a big one. <laughs> but Gilbert, yes, uh, good morning to you. Have you been on the missions, the the mission tours? Oh, yes. We've, uh, since I was a kid, we used to ride our bikes out there and all over. That's really cool. I always wanted to do that. I, I won't be riding my bike if I go. I will be driving. But I've actually always really wanted to do that, do the, the bike tour of going to the missions that'd be really fun i should try i should it's do a real that nice trail they have there and what time of year do you recommend doing that during the summer is way too hot in san antonio oh, yeah the summer's awful it's about the best is which time of year i would say around spring around spring okay right, i'll Gilbert, keep that in mind well uh be available for us in spring and uh we'll hang out with you <laughs> exactly exactly where do you go to I'd church be glad to give you a tour awesome <laughs> that'd be great God. where do you go to church gilbert St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence. Awesome. Praise be God. All right, Gilbert. Are you familiar with the game show? Uh, do you know how to play the game? Yes, sir. Awesome, awesome. And are you familiar with uh, Rudy and Tito? Do you know who here is uh, the trickiest of them all? Well, they're both deceptive. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is accurate. They are. You can hear. You hear that laugh? That's like a a evil villain laugh right there. <laughs> <He's> like, <"Whoa." laughs> yes, very very deceptive. I can I can already I can already feel the deception. I'm gonna have to call my lawyer for defamation. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyers. Uh, <laughs> All right, Gilbert. Let's uh, begin the game show. Uh, are you ready, Gilbert? Yes, sir. All right, let's go with Rudy, as is our custom. Gil- uh, not Gilbert, Rudy. Rudy, the first question, are you ready? I am ready. Awesome. Praise be to God. The first question is, which pope was ordained by St. Peter himself? Uh, okay, ordained by St. Peter. So one of the first ones, let me think about the Roman canon for a second. Uh, mine is gonna, uh, I'm going to say it's uh, Pope Cletus. Pope Cletus. Pope Cletus. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. That is a that's a good guess right there. Cletus, Linus, Marcellinus, and then I forget the other one. Okay. Okay. Well, Tito, same question to you. Which pope was ordained by Saint Peter himself? By Saint Peter. That'd be Peter the first. So I'm guessing, hmm, Saint Clement the first. St. Clement the First, you say? Yes, it is. Okay, okay. Uh, that's Clement of Rome, you're saying? Yes. Was ordained by St. Peter. Himself. That's pretty awesome. Yes. All right. Well, Gilbert, the question is, which pope was ordained by St. Peter himself? 
Rudy seems to think that it was Pope Cletus, whereas Tito seems to think that it's Pope Clement the first. Did I say that right? I think I did. Um, 15 seconds of clock. Gilbert, what say you? Is it Rudy? Is it Tito? Is it Pope Clement the first, as Tito says, or is it Cletus, as Rudy says? 15 seconds of the clock. What say you, Gilbert? Cletus. Cletus. Are, Are you, you sure? sure? Are you certain? Yes. I okay. Think okay. Oh. All right. Uh, That's all right. That's all right. That's You're okay. going to get in for the next two. I'm sure of it. I'm sure something. of it. <laughs> You're going to get it, Gilbert. Don't you worry. I know uh, Rudy's maniacal laughter threw you off. That's what it was. <laughs> there it goes again. There it goes again. It's, it's deceptive. It's, it's scary. Mm. I, I'm freaking out myself. But don't you worry, Gilbert. We're going to go to question number two, and I'm sure you're going to get this one right. Tito, the question goes to you. The doubt or denial of any truth revealed by God is called what? Denialism. It's called the nihilism, like the Nile River. Close. Denialism. Oh, denialism. Correct, sir. Okay. Well, they know what they say. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> okay. Denialism says Tito. Uh, Rudy, same question to you. The doubt or denial of any truth revealed by God is called what? It is called heresy. Oh, wow. Heresy. Heresy. And those who are uh, subscribing to this sort of idea are also known as heretics. Heretics and heresy, you say. Anathema sit. Okay. Well, <laughs> as in sit down, you're wrong. Anathema well, sit. I think I see what you're saying about heresy. Um, That's very clear to me. Makes a lot of sense. Heresy. Uh, so heretics commit heresy is what you're saying. That's exactly right. Okay. All right. Well, Gilbert, the question is, the doubt or denial of any truth revealed by God is called what? Rudy seems to think that the answer is heresy, and those who commit it are called heretics, whereas Tito seems to think that it's the uh, nihilism. I mean, sorry, <laughs> denialism. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock, Gilbert. What say you? Is it denialism as... Tito seems to think, or is it heresy and heretics, as Rudy seems to think? Rudy. Is Rudy? Ah, oh, nailed it! Very good, Gilbert. Gilbert. Praise be to wow. God. I would never lead you astray, Gilbert. Right. It's like, I would never lead you astray. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that right, Adrian? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Way to go, Gilbert. Praise be to God. You're in for one. Let's see if we can get you in for two. You ready, Gilbert? Ready. Let's do it. Uh, question number three, going back to you, Rudy. Okay. The question is, what is the term given to any person, idea, or a group of persons who oppose Christ and his church? Who oppose him mm -hmm. as opposed to go with him? Right, exactly. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that actually is, uh, it's it's being a heretic as oh, well. Oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. Yeah. Same definition. Same definition. Yeah. Okay. You know, one version, Merriam-Webster, like 1800s. I'm just glad you didn't say Jesuit. I thought you were going to say a Jesuit. Hey, man, I Ow. love the Jesuits. <laughs> I love I love the Jesuits. Okay. Okay. Just not the, not the current ones. Right. Right. Okay. The Tito, OGs, as they say. Same yes, question. Sir. What is the term given to any person, 
idea or a group of persons who opposed Christ and his church? And hint, the answer is not a Jesuit. Well, it's, it's not a Jesuit. Normally I say you're wrong, but uh, I'll go with Antichrist. Oh, okay. So anti meaning against and Christ against. meaning Christ. Contra Christo. <laughs> All I right. It's just one person. Right. Uh, huh. There's, I guess there's the Antichrist, and you're saying there are Antichrists? Is what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Well, Gilbert, 15 seconds of the clock. The question is, what is the term given to any person, idea, or group of persons who oppose Christ and his church? Rudy seems to think that the word heresy also applies to this, uh, whereas Tito says that this person is an antichrist. 15 seconds of the clock. Gilbert, what say you? Hmm. Oh. Atheist? Atheist? Atheist was not an option, but or don't heretic. you worry. The, the options were heretic from Rudy, or antichrist from Tito, and uh, let me give you a, a little bit of a hint. If you're opposed to Christ, it might mean that you're against Christ. So what say and you, Gilbert? Antichrist. Antichrist. Let's go. There you go, Gilbert. Nice. Very good, very good. Yes, Antichrist. They say is the you have the spirit of Antichrist. So there are many Antichrists, but only one who is the Antichrist who will come at the second coming. But very good, you did a great job, Gilbert. You're in for two. Praise be to God. And uh, what are you off to to today? Are you going to head to Mass for Ash Wednesday? Yes, we are, and we're having a uh, fish fry. Nice, nice. Yeah. Remember, Ash Probably. Wednesday. Day of fasting and abstinence, so yes. a fish fry is the way to go. Maybe I'll do that. Well, thank you for joining us, Gilbert. Stay on the line. We're going to put you on hold, and we'll get your information in just one moment. But God bless you. God love you, and thanks for joining us. And that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you for joining us on Catholic Drive Time. We'll see you back here tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Or you can stay with us and we'll be chatting with you directly in our after show. Just hop on to YouTube, Facebook, Odyssey, Rumble, and leave a comment and we'll be able to interact with you directly. So God bless you. God love you. We'll see you back tomorrow or we'll see you back in about 10 seconds. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today is Ash Wednesday in the beginning of the holy season of Lent. We celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for the intention of all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio.
You are merciful to all, O Lord, and despise nothing that you have made. You overlook people's sins to bring them to repentance, and you spare them, for you are the Lord our God. You are merciful to all, O Lord, and despise nothing that you have made. You overlook people's sins to bring them to repentance, and you spare them, for you are the Lord our God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting this campaign of Christian service, so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the book of the prophet Joel. Even now, says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to the Lord your God. For gracious and merciful is he, slow to anger, rich in kindness, and relenting in punishment. Perhaps he will again relent and leave behind him a blessing, offerings and libations for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, proclaim a fast, call an assembly, gather the people, notify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom quit his room and the bride her chamber. Between the porch and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare, O Lord, your people, and make not your heritage a reproach. With the nations ruling over them, why should we say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord was stirred to concern for his land and took pity on his people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin cleanse me. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. For, for I acknowledge my offense, and my sin is before me always. Against you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Give me back the joy of your salvation, and a willing spirit sustain in me. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, we are ambassadors for Christ, as if God were appealing through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who did not know sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Working together then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. 
For he says, In an acceptable time I heard you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is a very acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The word of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, you Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. Otherwise you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, so that your almsgiving may be secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on street corners, so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you may not appear to be fasting, except to your Father who is hidden. And your Father who sees what is hidden will repay you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today we begin this holy season of Lent. In that opening prayer, we are asked to begin this holy season of Lent with fasting, to battle against spiritual evils armed with the weapons of self-restraint. So Lent is a time for war, a time to do battle against sin. The weapons of self-restraint that the Lord proposes to us are those three things he mentioned in the Gospel. He gives us three gifts, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And these three things are important because they help to heal the brokenness that we have in the world. Prayer helps to heal our relationship with God, which is often broken. Fasting heals the relationship within ourselves because we know that we are broken inside. As St. Paul says, we don't do the things we should do and we do the things we know we shouldn't do. And then almsgiving heals our broken relationship that we have with our brothers and sisters, with one another. Of course, in this Holy Spirit, to go through these really briefly, prayer. We need to spend more time in prayer. Whether that's reading a spiritual book, whether it's sitting in the Lord in adoration, whether it's listening to a, a podcast that is going to nourish our soul, we need something that is going to be our nourishment, that we don't live on bread alone, but we live by the Word of God. 
We may want to walk with one of the saints, for instance. Anyway, whatever we take up, to set aside time for prayer that it can heal our relationship with God, to be able to listen to his voice. Fasting heals that relationship or brokenness within ourselves. It's more than just giving up sweets. This can be part of it. But it really is to strengthen our will. It's to give up sin. That's the key. We need to kind of rough it a little bit to abstain what we don't really need. The requirements for us, of course, as Catholics on fasting is we fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Church makes it really easy for us. And that, of course, is if you're between the ages of 50 and 65. That is one meal a day and then two small snacks that don't equal a meal. And then there's no eating between meals. So Ash Wednesday and all the Fridays of Lent, we are asked to abstain from eating meat. That's the bare minimum. But then to give up those things that we don't really need. Finally, almsgiving, to heal that broken relationship we have with our brothers and sisters, to give to the poor is really an important weapon of light. Is there, if there is someone with whom we are estranged, that we need to ask forgiveness, that our relationship is soured, then this Lent is an important time for reconciliation. These three brothers and sisters are important, and they go together. We cannot have one without the other. Fasting without prayer and almsgiving, that's called dieting. That's not what Lent is about. Prayer without fasting and almsgiving is just empty words. And almsgiving without the other two, prayer and fasting, is philanthropy. It's the love of neighbor without any reference to God. It might be even self-aggrandizement or ego boasting, but it's not Lent. These three together. What is the Lord asking us in prayer and fasting and almsgiving, these three instruments, to do for him that we may grow in relationship with God and heal the relationship within ourselves and our brothers and sisters. Dear brothers and sisters, let us humbly ask God our Father that he be pleased to bless with the abundance of his grace these assets, which we will put on our heads in penitence. O God, who are moved by acts of humility and respond with forgiveness to works of penance, lend your merciful ear to our prayers, and in your kindness pour out the grace of your blessing on your servants who are marked with these ashes, that as they follow the Lenten observances, they may be worthy to come with minds made pure to celebrate the Paschal mystery of your Son, through Christ our Lord. The glory of these forty days we celebrate with songs of praise for Christ by whom all things were made himself as fasted and as prayed alone and fasting Moses saw the loving God who gave the law and to Elijah 
fasting came, the steeds and chariots of flame. So Daniel trained his mystic sight, delivered from the lion's might, and John the bridegroom's friend became the herald of Messiah's name. We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters, but above all, in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. For the whole Christian people, that in this sacred time, they may more, be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us pray to the Lord. For the whole world, that in lasting tranquility and peace, our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For sinners and the neglectful, that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For ourselves, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare to ask in fitting prayer they may receive by your mercy, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Forty days for us did fast and pray. Teach us with thee to mourn our sins and close by thee to stay. As thou with Satan didst contend and didst the victory win, O oh, give us strength in Thee to fight, in Thee to conquer sin. As Thou didst hunger and thirst, so teach us, gracious Lord, to die to self and so to live, by thy most holy word. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. The glory of his name, for our good and the good of all, his holy church. As we solemnly offer the annual sacrifice for the beginning of Lent, we entreat you, O Lord, that through works of penance and charity, we may turn away from harmful pleasures and cleanse from our sins may truly be worthy to celebrate devoutly the passion of your Son, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. 
For you will that our self-denial should give you thanks. Humble our sinful pride, contribute to the feeding of the poor, and so help us imitate you in your kindness. And so we glorify you with countless angels, as with one voice of praise we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. 
At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. With your Let us offer to the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, we told his peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I'm not worthy to enter under my roof, but only say the word in my soul. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Let all mortal flesh keep silence and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly minded, for with blessing in his hand. Christ our God to earth descended. 
our full homage to demand. King of kings, yet born of Mary, as of old on earth he stood, Lord of lords in human vesture, in the body and the blood. He will give to all the faithful his own self for heavenly food. Rank on rank the host of heaven spreads its vanguard on the way as the light of light descended from the realms of endless day that the powers of hell may vanish as the darkness clears away. Let us pray. May the sacrament we have received sustain us, O Lord, that our Lenten fast may be pleasing to you and be for us a healing remedy through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. Pour out a spirit of compunction, O God, on those who bow before your majesty. And by your mercy, may they merit the rewards you promise to those who do penance. Through Christ our Lord. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, Et Spes Nostra Salve, A Te Clamamus, Exules Filii Hebe, A Te Suspiramus, Gementes et Flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale, eha ergo advocata nostra, ilos tuos misericordes oculos, ad nos converte, et Jesum benedictum frutum ventris tui, Nobis post hoc exilium ostende, o clemens, o pia, o dulcis virgo Maria.
Virgo Maria. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Denise Majeski from Epiphany of the Lord in Katy. 